recorded live from Space Coast Podcast Studios in Melbourne, Florida. This is The Cannabis Report with Michael Patterson, brought to you by MGMC Pharma Group, where we make a difference. Check out the virtual tour of our cannabis cultivation facility on our website, mgmc-group.com. Now here's your host, Michael Patterson. Happy to have you on the show. Yes, he's looking at me now. You can only tell Mark so much. He doesn't know which way to look, where his camera angle is. So I got this great guy to my left named Ken. Ken is our fan. He's our one fan. He is our one fan. So he saw episode one and he thought he'd stop by and say hello. And I thought, say, hey, Ken, well, thanks so much for stopping by being our one fan. Hello, hello, Cannabis Report, Patterson Brothers. Good to be here. Glad to have you on, Ken, to say hello. Ken and I, Ken can validate that I actually was in the nursing home business, wasn't I? Absolutely. Yeah. We share the same therapy background, yep. nursing home rehabilitation. Yeah. And so Ken really wants to get into uh, the cannabis space, and he's been following what I've, what I've been doing. And so our goal is to uh, – I have a lot of people from my past who kind of follow what we're doing, and we all kind of see the future. So I'm definitely glad uh, you stopped by today, Ken. That was great. Thanks so, yeah, hopefully we'll have more than one fan. If you guys are in the area, we're in Melbourne, Florida, you want to come to our, our recording, we typically do it on Sundays. Um, so we'd definitely love to have you. But thank you for coming in. We're in Episode 7. We're going to be talking to a great guy today named Ed Collins from Mila Supply. We're going to be talking about the Canadian markets as well as in the burgeoning markets in Asia to learn a lot. But to start off, Mark, let's take us into the news. So are we ready for the news now? We'll hurry up and do the news, Mark. Okay, let's go Hold to up. the news. It's time for Cannabis News. Okay, you can go now, Mark. News brought to you by Hemp Synergistics from Intelligent-Based Consumer Products and Ingredients. Hemp Synergistics is a biotechnology company whose goal is to make a difference, meaningful difference, in the hemp industry. For more information, go to HempSynergistics.com. Well, we start our news over in the Virgin Islands, someplace that our guests probably would like to be uh, right now, and not in Canada. Uh, the issuing of the first hemp production license in the U.S. Virgin Islands, that's St. Thomas, St. John, and St. Croix, plus a few dozen smaller islands has been issued. The entity to score the first license, Crucian Hemp Farms. The company is now registered as a hemp grower, seed distributor, and transporter after a unanimous vote by the Virgin Islands Hemp Commission members. Governor Albert Bryan Jr. has big hopes for the new crop. This begins a new economic era in the U.S. Virgin Islands that will not only benefit the government through new revenue streams, but will also provide economic growth opportunities for the territory's farmers and local business entrepreneurs. Home to around 110,000 people, the U.S. Virgin Islands doesn't have a great deal of industry, more tourism than anything, so hemp could provide much-needed jobs. It seems the islands will be a great place to grow hemp, Crucian Hemp Farms says, and they will harvest hemp for CBD extraction up to three times a year with potential yields up of around 4,000 pounds dry weight biomass per acre. Its hemp plan was given the USDA's blessing in May last year, meaning the program will be operating fully within U.S. federal law. As well as cultivating hemp for CBD, licensed participants will be able to grow the crop for food and fiber purposes as well. 
With regard to medical marijuana in the islands, generally, the Medical Cannabis Patient Care Act provides a medical cannabis program for Virgin Islands residents and medical tourists. So for those of you out there looking to go to the Virgin Islands for a holiday, if you have your medical card, you're, uh, like we live in Florida, if you go down there and you have your card, then uh, you can access medical cannabis in the U.S. Virgin Islands, Mike. Well, this is a great thing. It shows that our, our policies around the, are starting to spread around the world. Even though uh, it's it's hemp is already legal in the mainland United States, the U.S. Virgin Islands being a territory starting starting to come into their own and starting to do the regulations with this. And then Ed will be able to give us some really good insight because they are doing some exciting things in Guam, which is a U.S.-based territory, too. So he will be able to kind of give that insight on a U.S. territory and how they're dealing with hemp and uh, medical cannabis. Guam has passed medical cannabis, but the system is just getting ready to get started. The challenge in the Virgin Islands is the cost of, of actually growing. So if you look at the cost in, in, in Florida as well as other states, and when you grow a product indoors, it's going to be very expensive, and you grow it outdoors, typically it's cheaper. But in the Virgin Islands, land is at a premium, and so if that land costs too much in order to grow, on then that could be a really big challenge what i see is the domestic market is going to be pretty big i think the virgin islands has about a hundred thousand people so you're looking at two to five percent so two to five thousand people are going to be using this so i don't see a ton of of uh business coming out of the virgin islands but i think with the medical cannabis coming along i think they can do a pretty good job because of the cruise ships as well as other uh avenues for bringing in tourists i can tell you that belize is actually looking at the same type of thing they have a lot of cruise ships a lot of other uh, Caribbean nations are looking to get into the, the business. And so a lot of times I, we talk to different Caribbean nations and their governments, and, and we, we try to get them to specialize in something, whether it be R&D, whether it be some type of bringing in uh, the right type of um, researchers. You're going to do research and, uh, and development. You're going to do some sort of biotech cultivation or, or um, bring in some value because you're not going to be able to compete on just basic price. Colombia is going to beat you there and Africa is going to beat you there all day long on price and, and as well as the mainland U.S. So if you can find that good niche and find a very strategic uh, uh, focused market, I think they can do well. But do you think that they could sh- you have hemp as the uh, you know, ship it to the mainland. You know, that they could, would be their, but their it's just so ex- right now. Hemp is we're having abundance of hemp in, in the United States. So we had over half a million acres in 2019. Half of that wasn't you didn't even come to harvest for so many different reasons. One of which is you got all these people get into agriculture who should not have any business getting into agriculture. Okay, so that's number one. No experience, and then there wasn't enough infrastructure <clears throat> to do the processing of the hemp because there was just too much. So right now, hemp is going down to pennies almost for pounds of, of biomass. So when you're saying 4,000 pounds of biomass, that's, that's a drop in the bucket right now. So that's why I think they're going to have a trouble. They need to keep their product on island because I think they can do well because the importing and the import fees, even from the mainland, is going to bring in a lot of that cost. So as long as you keep your cost of production somewhat similar, then I think they'll do well. Moving from the Caribbean over to Europe... The Netherlands Recreational Cannabis Experiment advances after a court appeal rejected. A Dutch judge rejected a request to annul the results of a lottery process used to select cultivators for the Netherlands Recreational Cannabis Experiment. This means the experiment will likely continue moving forward as plans. Kaj Hallmans, a drug policy consultant based in the Netherlands, told Marijuana Business Daily 
It is now the stage at which the government performs the background checks of the first 10 lottery winners. The winners will likely be the first legal commercial growers of adult use marijuana in Europe. A group of eight applicants who were not selected among the 10 winners of the lottery went to court complaining about several procedural issues. The applicants also said that growers of insufficient quality have been selected, which is contrary to the public interest that is served by a well professionally conducted and successful experiment. But the judge on Thursday rejected their call to redo the draw. To be eligible for the draw, prospective growers had to submit an application to be evaluated by the government, and the selection process involved consulting mayors of the municipalities where the applicants hope to grow. So the first legal uh, product in Europe, Mike? This is just so crazy because if you know from from the Americans listening, you know, what do you do? You go to Amsterdam, right? You get cannabis. We always go to Amsterdam. We have the coffee shops. Everything was cool. Right. But technically, it was illegal to grow it in the whole country. So, but magically, the minute you cross the dispensary door, it became legal. So it was just, it just didn't make any sense. So now they're trying to put in a regulated system of something they've had theoretically illegally since the 70s. Right. So it's just crazy because everybody thinks, oh, yeah, we can uh, Amsterdam is legal. Well, technically, it really wasn't. So um, so now they're trying to put in structure is the, the challenge for Amsterdam is they're, they're having this now pushback against cannabis, which is just doesn't make any sense. I mean, they allowed it for so long and now they're saying, oh, we don't know how we feel about this. Well, they really need to get their act together because Amsterdam is one is a great tourist location and they're going to be challenged because recreational cannabis is coming to Europe. And so if you don't believe me, the, the country of Germany in October 2020 just voted down recreational cannabis legalization. Why should you care? Because Germany is the largest economy in Europe. And the fact that they've already come to have a vote on it and the fact that it was backed by the judges in the judicial system because they were tired of dealing with cannabis cases is massive because there's there's change afoot in the EU. And so with England leaving, now we're gonna the, they don't have to deal with England and whatever their laws are. So once Germany goes legal, then Netherlands is going to have to do something because now either they're going to provide product to Germany because, remember, 10% of their population most likely will use recreational cannabis in Germany. So you have to separate yourself. And this is almost like when Colorado legalized. You have to kind of claim your flag to that industry. And I think they really need to start moving forward quicker. Then they can get more tourism coming back specifically after COVID. But you said that the the recreational referendum did not pass. In Germany, but what I'm saying is, is remember, it takes two to three times for a law to pass. So the fact they've already started the clock, so to speak, that's critical because ne- the New Zealand tried to pass it in October as well, recreational, and it didn't pass. That's okay. See, everybody looks at, oh, it didn't pass. Well, you don't realize, well, if you got to go two to three times to pass, they've already gone through once. And so as the U.S. starts to build in their policy, it's pushing all these other countries to say, well, what are we going to do? We got to do something quick. Because remember, once the U.S. goes legal, it's the, the, the race is on. So we're still technically in prohibition. So these smaller countries, they need to look at this economically and stop looking at it ideologi- ideologically. And that, that's how they're going to help shape their policy because that's going to put dollars in their countries for import fees as well as tourism. Staying in Europe, Czech medical cannabis sales surge, 
but the market remained small. The check market for the medical cannabis flower quadrupled last year compared to 2019, according to data published by the state agency for medical cannabis. However, the market remains small. In 2020, roughly 68 kilograms or 150 pounds of medical cannabis flower was sold to patients in check pharmacies compared with 17 kilograms a year before. Expectations that the market would see a tremendous boost after medical cannabis was included in the country's public health insurance in early 2020 has so far failed to materialize. Experts say that this is partly because insurance coverage is only one of the many factors guiding the market's development. Despite that, the market is growing with improved access. October and November saw record sales of medical cannabis with about seven kilograms sold each month. The number of unique patients, which was below 500 at the end of 2019, has doubled to 1,103 in December 2020. Eucoplast uh, Solvice remains the only domestic producer with the rest of the supply coming from Canadian producers Aurora Cannabis and Canopy Growth. Thomas Kubalak, is CEO of Czech Medical Herbs, a Prague-based importer of medical cannabis, told MJ Biz Daily that the Czech legal cannabis market suffers of conflict of interest, where the country cannabis agency acts as a controlling authority, but also as a cannabis seller. The agency buys cannabis grown in the Czech Republic with public money and distri- distributes it, acting as a challenging competitor for importers so mike the government is growing it and selling it how are they going to able to sustain a market uh for the importers well that's a challenge and the biggest thing we need to do is put this in perspective so the main thing is they're really not selling anything i mean let's just be honest seven kilograms in a year or something that's right. i mean to give you an idea florida again half a million patients in the u.s for medical um, California, they're doing about 10% of their population use cannabis on a monthly basis. So they're doing hundreds and hundreds of tons uh, of tons a year of cannabis being sold. So, but what you're seeing is, and Europe is kind of like the U.S. right now in the way the countries states, are... Right? Just yeah. You could say the countries are sounding like American states right. with cannabis The countries are sounding like U.S. states, where U.S. states right now are doing everything different. And so that's what Europe's doing right now. Every country is a different country. But the EU, the, you know, uh, what, what little I know about EU, EU law outside of cannabis is, you know, you have the freedom to move between borders, kind of like the U.S. states. But the challenge is, is now with these cannabis policies is that they're, they're, they're doing this this way. Canada, and we'll ask Ed about this, they have different provinces that have different rules. So some of them have their state-owned stores, and they currently buy and resell it. So kind of doing it the same way, but not at the federal level, but it's more the province level. So with, with these guys, with the Czech Republic getting on board, the main thing we need to look at as a high level is these countries are legalized. So now they got to figure out how to move the balance, and that goes back to the Patterson pillars. And those are the three pillars of the industry that must balance, which are patient access, commerce, and public safety. So public safety is super strong in Macedonia because nobody can get the product, so you don't have to worry about it going the wrong places. Well, commerce is slow because there's not that much patient access. So we need to increase the ability for patients to get this medication. And if we can have the ability through the government to pay for it, commerce will increase and the market will keep going up slowly, but it will keep it keep rising. Uh, the challenge is right now, it sounds like the public safety is way too strict and the patient access is way too limited. And that is suffering, uh, making commerce suffer. Thanks for your input on the news, Mike. And I'll turn it back over to you, buddy. All right, guys.
Well, now we get to take a nice little trip up to the north, a eh, to our lovely, lovely neighbors, um, and a great not guy named Ed Collins. And Mark, why don't you give us a great introduction to Ed? Well, our guest today is a self-proclaimed short but incredibly handsome 5'7", 175-pound native of Niagara Falls, Canada. All righty, eh? You know he's on the Canadian side and not the American side of the falls. He's the chief revenue officer of Mila Supply Limited, a licensed cannabis producer based in Toronto, Canada. Before that, he assisted to start up the largest cannabis consulting firm in the world, Cannabis Compliance, which was sold to Deloitte in 2019. Growing up, our guest played high-level tennis, BMX, and baseball. Baseball? In Canada? No curling? He's going to lose points with his fellow Maple Leafs on those choices. He's got three kids and named them for places he's visited, Georgia, Paris, and London. Let's give a warm Cannabis Report welcome to Edward Collins. Big Ed, can you hear me? I can. Hi, Michael. Oh, How are you? perfect, perfect. We love just you know we were we were giving Ed some some uh, ribbing because we love his his setup there at the house. You got if you're not watching on YouTube, you need to watch it because he looks like the Godfather. It's amazing. I love <laughs> it, Ed. So glad to have you on the show. And so uh, please, please give us some some idea on um, on Mila and uh, and then I want to really under have the American crowd understand the cannabis market there in Canada and kind of what you did with CCI. And, and moving into what you got today with Mila. Yeah, so Mila is a, um, a production facility in Prince Edward Island, small island, one of the provinces in Canada. Um, we have a 15,000 square foot facility. Our focus is on um, bespoke product production of topicals, uh, um, gel caps, uh, beverages, and other products with- Hey, Ed, if I can interject briefly, bespoke sure. to the American audience means custom. So I just want to let you know that. So I had to break it down a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I spent a, a bunch of time in the UK. So right, 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 right. I, I, had ask, I had to ask I'm the sorry. same thing. Yeah. I was sorry. like, what is, what is, uh, what is, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but there was, I remember I was in a meeting and they go, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do some bespoke products. I'm like, what is bespoke? And they're like, oh, that means like custom. And then another thing as a side, they said, we got to get a solicitor involved. And I'm like, we don't have prostitution here. And they're like, no, they're like no, that's that's an attorney, a lawyer. I was like, why don't you just call him a lawyer? But anyway, as I digress, I'm sorry. Keep going, Ed. No, no, that's fine. So, so we we are really uh, helping brands get to the market in the Canadian market, and then as you mentioned um, in the introduction, Guam's been a joint venture of ours that we've been working on for the last couple of years. And what we're doing there is in the initial stages, we're bringing um, several brands to the island um, from the U.S., um, My Jane, Gatsby, uh, London Herbal Co., Dr. Love CBD. We're bringing them to the island and uh, marketing them in uh, about 15 or 16 retail locations along with um, a, uh, a website that we're selling e-commerce through. And that's really to service the island first of all there's almost 200,000 people on the island but the the end play there is really the APAC region and the cannabis tourism side so Guam as a, um, a territory of the United States right now is medically uh, approved but very soon will be approved for adult use recreation so that's important to us because there's about two million tourists that come to Guam every year and mainly from countries like South Korea and Japan where 
um, CBD and THC is very illegal. Right. But we see that as a as a huge opportunity and a launching pad for that marketplace. Eventually, you know, there won't be many places on the planet that will be um, uh, illegal for cannabis and uh, and other products there. So we see it really as a, a first mover, as a launching pad and a place where cannabis tourism can really grow outside of that North American marketplace. When you look at cannabis tourism, you think Jamaica. Well, that's mainly North Americans right. that focus on Jamaica. And, and in North America, we're, we're lucky to have at least mostly medical or recreational here in Canada. So I think it's a huge move for us and the brands that we're bringing to the island. And our joint venture uh, is with the largest distributor of alcohol and tobacco on the island. So we're, we're very well positioned there. And you are. I, I think I'm excited because a lot of people in America don't really understand how this is moving around the world. And so, um, you know, I think uh, being it, it, the irony of you guys being Canadian in a U.S. territory, I think it's, it's just the irony is crazy in that respect. But they need that wisdom of the Canadian markets. And so tell us a little bit about how. Um, you know, Americans, uh, are, when they think about the Canadian industry up there, they're they're jealous, but uh, on one side, but then they're frustrated on the other side because, like, well, how come they can make money and we can't? You know, that's what we always hear in that respect. Yeah. Well, I, I think you know, it was it was back a bunch of years ago when the Canadian government decided to go after the um, illegal market, yeah. and a good way of doing that was to legalize, make it uh, profitable for the government. Um, get it out of the hands of children and um, and and have Canada as the first mover in the G7 uh, network. And, you know, I think it's been a good thing. It's been a very good thing from a globalization perspective and, and to pump up Canadian um, uh, from a global perspective, our, our brand. But on the other side, it's been a lot of learning uh, yes. bumps that we've gone through here in Canada. I mean, oversupply um, just because of... Uh, you know, we've had a lot of the large companies really build a huge canopy of, of growth, um, and it's it's driven the price down in the market, uh, whereas the price is still pretty high from a retail perspective because we were very slow in our largest provinces to get into that retail market. Ontario, I think, was the biggest uh, issue where we, um, up until a few months ago, only had about 59 uh, retail locations or dispensaries yeah. in, in Ontario for 15 million people. Um, and that was really a big problem. And that really held the um, growers back from selling into the provincial government, the OCS here in Ontario. And it's very different across each province. As you know, we're, we're legalized from a federal perspective, which means um, you, know, you can use it if you're over 19. Um, but the federal government left it up to the provinces on how to actually distribute the, the products. And that was really a uh, a difference between every province where it could be a partnership between uh, public and private or completely um, public, which would be um, the, Quebec, the uh, SAQ, which runs all the stores, buys all the cannabis from the uh, licensed producers and sells them directly. In Ontario, it's uh, the biggest province where we've seen a doubling every month of the retail location numbers, which is great. We're really starting to get some traction and we're really starting to see um, sales go through the roof, and that's because we've, you know, we've got close to 400 stores now, um, and we see probably close to a thousand as the capability for the province to sustain, where we can have about a thousand stores across the province, and that's really the LPs sell into the provincial government, the OCS, and then the OCS then distributes. 
distributes to all the retail locations across uh, Ontario. So it's been slow to kind of get yeah. things rolling in the provinces, but um, you know, being a first mover, we've we've garnered a lot of respect in uh, in the uh, from a global perspective. And as you know, I, I've I've spent a year. Um, my last year at CCI in Europe, really developing partnerships, building relationships and, and working with governments on looking at the regulatory framework, looking at what products should be going to market, how we move these products exactly. across borders. And um, so it, it was very, uh, very enriching. And um, just being a Canadian person um, in, a, in a company that uh, did a lot of consulting from a global perspective um, brought a lot of cachet to what we were doing, which was great. Well, I got to tell you, Ed, so it's, it's as an American, so to give everybody a backstory, so I met Ed in, in uh, Ireland. We, were, we had a conference, and every time I go to conferences now, until I open my mouth, everybody goes, are you Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened to me. The minute I open my mouth, I'm like obviously this guy's not from Canada, you know. So, but um, yeah, around the world, Canada is a leader, and so I, I, I I've never met a pe- person from Canada I didn't like a, you know, they're all super nice, but their perspective is something that I think we as Americans need to understand, and we need to start looking at that. Can- Canada and 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 Ed, if you can um, uh, expand on this a little bit, to me, Canada thinks outside their borders a lot more than America. Can you kind of expand on kind of that that way of thinking in general? Yeah, I think number one, we have to. We're yeah. we're a very small country in a large landmass. Right. Um, we're all, you know, eighty percent of us live um, in the shadow of the United States, meaning a few uh, kilometers yes. uh, to the U.S. border. Kilometers, yes. Uh, think think of me. I, I grew up in Niagara Falls, um, Canada. Right Canada, right, right. Canada, and I went to university in Windsor, which okay. is right across the border from Detroit. So we, many of us see us as quasi-Americans without that title. Um, so it's, it's a small country. There's only 35 million people. Um, we have to look globally to hear, to be heard. You know, traditionally we've been the peacekeepers of the world. Um, we're tenacious. Um, we're a small country that has some great hockey teams. Right. Um, uh, and congratulations on the juniors for the U.S. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Fight, uh, I worked uh, very hard on that. He's talking about hockey, by the way. So, yeah. Um, so, so we've we've traditionally had to expand past our borders, understand geography uh, yes, at, a, at yes. a very high level. For, understand geography. Period. Yes. One hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know where Guam is, for example. Uh, <laughs> right. Touche. Touche. I love it, Ed. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Also, I want, Mike, I want you to ask him about Mila Pharmaceuticals and what his products are, the infusions and all that stuff. Absolutely. So we were getting to that. So, yeah, let's go, come into, like, tell us about with Mila and the products now. And then do you sure. see it to where when THC is legal, can, do you think about uh, importing from Canada into Guam for THC products? Yeah, so we, we wouldn't be uh, importing into Guam um, per se because we're actually building a facility to manufacture in Guam. That's okay. part of our business plan. So we want to supply the, the APAC region. We'll, we'll buy uh, raw material from cheaper sources, we'll import it into Guam, and we'll produce finished goods in Guam. It's, it's expensive to ship things to Guam, so it's a good idea to, uh, to service that APAC region from, from the island right. itself. Right. Um, so what we're doing is we, we don't produce our own brands. What we do is we look to um, partner with other brands outside of uh, uh, of Mila, and we'll 
actually do the formulations. We've just finished a formulation product for an Australian pharmaceutical company for vapes that uh, have a eucalyptus flavor to it. Okay. Um, we're doing uh, capsules for a U.S. brand that's uh, coming into the Canadian market uh, from a CBD perspective. Um, we're working with beauty products and topicals. We have a topical expert on staff, um, but it's other brands that we're bringing into the Canadian market and hence bringing those brands uh, into the Guam market also to, to yes. test that. We look at that market as very strong because of the tourism that comes there and the individuals that come. If you look at the Japanese and the South Koreans, they're very image conscious. Um, cosmetics is a big part yes. of what we're doing. And so that's a that's a big piece of it. The cosmetics, the um, the uh, uh, the CBD products for sleep and for pain relief. Um, th those are going to be big. We're working with some of the hotels on the island. We're working okay. with um, retail locations. We're working with the duty free stores. Um, it's 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 going to be a very exciting time uh, for Milo. Well, the thing I love and and the listeners and watchers is that you, when you listen to Ed. There's more than three jobs in this industry. <laughs> you're not going to grow it. You know, everybody comes, oh, there's three jobs. You're going to grow it, you're going to process it, or you're going to sell it. You guys are doing a lot of those things behind the scenes. And a lot of times, you know, Ed and I talk about this off air about, about the value chain. The value chain is going to be massive in this industry. So many companies are coming into cannabis and they don't know anything about it. So a company like Ed can come in and say, let me tell you what's up. Okay, this is what you need to do this and this and this or they can do it themselves and lose a ton of money i mean you've seen it for years in canada all those companies that, that come into you as cci and, and different ones you know tell us about what are the kind of the thoughts that these these companies go through when they come to a, a group like yours to say how do we go to the next step yeah so um let's go back a bit to cci and, sure and i was very fortunate to join early stages in 2017 when um, a company called NHP, Natural Health Products, was transitioning into the cannabis space for consulting. They had worked with the federal government on getting licenses um, for products bringing in to, uh, to, to bring to market in Canada from a natural health perspective. And then as the um, cannabis industry started uh, really growing, um, we had those relationships with Health Canada so that um, we could go out and, and fill in and a very complex cannabis application um, and get through that whole process to the licensing side. And we did pretty much everything on the licensing side. We even connect people with people to build their facilities, the HVAC side of it. We did audits, we did um, recruiting in the cannabis space for them. So we filled their pipeline with people and processes and SOPs and everything else that went along with the actual process. So we got to a point where we actually worked with almost 300 of the applicants and licensed producers in Canada, which is the vast majority of right. the licenses that are that are in place right now. So we got to know the market very, very well. Mm. And when and just before it was sold to Deloitte, um, I joined um, one of our clients, Milla Supply, who really there were only two individuals on the in the company. And we I helped um, and I joined because I really wanted to be a part of this startup. And it was a space that really is a needed space in Canada. I agree. Um, one of the things that I saw was we were issuing too many cultivation licenses in Canada. Number one, Canada is not the best place to grow stuff. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little it's chilly cold. there. Yes, a little chilly. Yes. It's a little chilly. It, it's expensive. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, our our our, our um, wages are high. 
the heating is, is not cheap, electricity, all of that good stuff. So we built a lot of large facilities that uh, cost millions and millions of dollars. And as I saw, so many of these companies building capacity and then looking to build further capacity outside of Canada, I thought, right. well, what side of the fence do I want to be in in this right. space? Because I love this space. I think it's great. I think it's a, an, an outstanding medicine um, and, and a very powerful plant. And, and really the space was helping brands get to market and going to the last mile. It yeah. wasn't growing cannabis. It wasn't just extracting um, the oils. It was doing all the other things that put product on shelves. Right. And that's what really Mila wanted to do. And then the, the joint venture with Guam was a big attraction for me too. We're working with um, some people in the Philippines uh, to build a partnership there. Um, we signed a, a partnership group, uh, with the London Canna Group out of the UK awesome. to help bring brands. I know to... London Canna Group. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Those guys over there saw. Those guys are great. Yeah, and we want to help them bring brands to the UK and EU and have them uh, do the PR and the marketing side, which is so important for CBD brands right. in in Europe right now. And so also to give you get everybody listening and watching is that a company like Ed, what he's doing is to me, as they grow, then they will to me, I, I assume you'll be able to do another buyout probably in a couple of years once you have that value chain done and so forth and so on. And so I just get so excited watching what Ed does is because he's already gone through. He's at an exit in a company in the cannabis space. He's now moving into the other uh, another company in the space because companies like and Ed, I like what, like what you guys are doing because you're pushing us forward. And if you're if you're unfamiliar with the business, we still have to we have to have smart people keep coming in. We have to standardize this, corporatize it, professionalize it. And Ed and his group at Mila are doing that. And this is awesome. So, Ed, do me a favor. Tell tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, my, my email is uh, edward.collins at milasupply.com. Um, my number is 416-997-0186. Uh, I'm uh, pretty pervasive on LinkedIn and Twitter, so you could look me up through that. It's Edward Collins, um, and so pretty easy to get a hold of me. And if you're ever at conferences outside of Canada, because I love to leave the country, um, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty much uh, at, uh, at at all of them. And it was great meeting you uh, as probably one of only two Americans in Ireland right. for that conference, which was great. Yeah, I, it, that's what I'm telling. I, see, you validated. I keep telling people there's not only many Americans overseas. And I was like, a Canadian, we got to stick together. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, Ed, thank you so much for being on the show, and you give us all this great information. And so um, um, we'll definitely be in touch soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Awesome. I love having Ed on the show. What did you think about that, Ken? Did you learn a lot? Completely. Ken was at a loss of words. He was I like, was. wow. But no, isn't that cool? Like all this. And, and so what, what I want you guys to understand is, you know, people in this business are no different than people outside of business. So everybody has this aura about marijuana. Oh, my gosh. It's marijuana. And you see it and you go to a grow and you like you like you want to hug it and everything. But once you get into it, it's a job. But it's a fun job. Yeah. But tell them, tell them like, you know, because you told me this a while years ago. Tell tell everybody what people do when they go into a grove for the first time. It's li it's literally like when you get to go to Colorado or somewhere where they have it growing and you walk in, it's literally like, it's like Christmas Day. Everybody's like, 
they they sit around and they want to like, take even pictures. If they don't even utilize cannabis, right? right? I mean, they're just it, totally because. Just... And I tried to figure it out, and a guy told me when I didn't went through it, and I had the same reaction. He said, um, he said it's because you feel like you're getting away with something. That's what it is. It's like, right, right. You're like, wow. I should like this is kind of kind of seedy and illegal, but it's exciting at the same time. And so, but once you go in there, you get used to it, and you look at it more of a business, and it's still fun. And and people told me that when I got in years ago, I was in California, and I was going to um, a, a potential job that would be in the cannabis space, and it would be a director of their Florida division. And the guy I was talking to, we were we were there at the interview, and he basically said that he goes, once you get past the initial aura of it, it's just it's just another job. And I'm like, okay. And I kind of I was like, yeah, I don't want that to happen to be another job. But now it's to the point where it's another job, but it's it's super exciting job. So that way you don't mind doing it as much right. and getting involved in that. But uh, definitely want to thank Ed. All right, so let's move on to the entrepreneurial tip of the day, Jesse. The Cannabis Entrepreneur Tip of the Day. Cannabis Entrepreneurial Tip of the Day, sponsored by Self Disrupt Branding Service. Self Disrupt is a modern day white glove personal branding service. If you need to be seen, they will get you noticed. If you have value to give, they will make it more shareable in today's digital landscape. Bottom line is Self Disrupt strategically track, track, strategically crafts your legacy through personal branding content. For more information, go to theselfdisrupt.com. All right. So the tip of the day is 90% of life is showing up. Just like Ken, our one fan, he's our super fan, showed up today. It's just showing up. So an example of this is when in 2018, when Oklahoma was looking to legalize cannabis, um, we were approached by a group out of Oklahoma to go out and promote it. And so there's not a lot of money in promoting a law to get it passed. And so we were looking to what we call pay it forward. So when a state typically legalizes or has a vote, what happens is all the prohibitionists come out and they all get on their po- their pedestals and they go on TV and say the sky's going to fall, the world's going to end, you know, similar in that respect. So we are like, we need to challenge, we need, we need to confront that and, and give an, a different version of you know what? The sky's not going to fall and the world's not going to end. So what we did is we went out to Oklahoma City. We partnered with Normal, and Normal is the National Organization to Reform Marijuana Laws um, based out of Oklahoma. And they helped us get into what they called a lobby day at in the Oklahoma State Legislature in Oklahoma City. So I rolled up in there, and we were hoping to maybe talk to a legislator or two. Well, there happened to be all these news cameras there that day, Ken, all of them, and nobody was talking from the other side. So meaning the all side- the that were against the marijuana. That's what they came for, correct? Say that again. They were- they all the one all the people that were talking on the news were for were against the proposal right for cannabis right. approval so Correct. they were all against for it and against it and then nobody was pro cannabis so um, we're sitting there and i was like this is great i'm going to get on tv it's going to be cool so i went up did my thing and all the stuff is on facebook you go to us cannabis pharmaceutical research and development on facebook the video is there and when we post this episode on youtube we'll put that in the in the um, in the notes or in the comments, we'll put the link to that Facebook video of me being on television. So so I got on a TV for one interview, and then the lady at Normal, she's like, hey, they're doing a press conference on the next floor. Do you want to go up there? 
I'm like, is water wet? Okay, <laughs> obviously, I like. I mean, I like to talk, as you can tell. So okay. I was like, hey, let's go up there and check it out. So we go up there, and they had just finished this press conference. And the press conference was a group that's like no to marijuana or something. So anyway, I'm sitting in this press room, and there's a whole back screen that says State of Oklahoma. Looks real official. I was like, that's pretty cool. I need to be able to, to get in there. So anyway, so I started talking to the guy when the press conference is over, and there's two reporters in the back. So they're back like behind me, and uh, they're starting to pack up their stuff. So I go to talk to the guy who's against it. And I'm like, dude, why are you against it? Oh, we don't like it because of this and this and this. And we started, I started asking him questions. I was like, what about this? What about this? How would you do this? <laughs> so he got all pissy, and he left. And so I turn around, and the two reporters are like, hey, man, can you do everything you just said in front of the camera right there? And I was like, wow. yeah. So – I sat there and got an interview on that looks all real official because I showed up that day and I looked like I did this real professional interview. I'm like, man, this is amazing. It was just because I was there at that time and could take advantage of the situation. So when you look to different things, you're like, well, I don't want to go to this and I don't want to go do that. Right. Nobody wants to go do that on a Saturday or a Sunday. You want to go to the beach. You want to go get high if it's legal in a state. Or you want to do something fun. Well, remember, at the end of the day, the people who are willing to sacrifice and do things that you don't want to do are the ones who are going to succeed. So just keep that in mind. So the the tip of the day is 90% of life is showing up. Great job, Michael. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) So let's move into the final segment. The Cannibals Champion of the Week. Cannabis Champion of the Week brought to you by the World CBD Awards. If you want to be part of the world's only objective product awards competition, the World CBD Awards Conference and Gala is for you. For more information, go to worldcbdawards.com. All right, the Champion of the Week uh, comes out of multiple um, continents. Uh, her name is Dr. Danny Gordon, and Dr. Danny Gordon is a Canadian double board certified medical doctor who lives in London. She is a published researcher, American board certified in integrative and holistic medicine since 2012, the world's leading evidence based natural medicine body, and was one of the first physicians to receive the new board certification in 2017 when integrative medicine became the newest U.S. board certified mainstream medical specialty program. She had a leading cannabis medicine referral based practice in Canada as an integrative medicine specialist where she specialized in the treatment of complex chronic conditions including anxiety, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, and chronic pain. She is recognized as a leading expert in the cannabis medicine, speaking internationally, and working as a consultant to some of the first cannabis medicine clinics in the UK. She has treated thousands of patients with medical cannabis alongside pharmacotherapy, nutritional medicine, evidence-based mind-body techniques to help manage stress-related conditions. She has studied mind-body medicine at Harvard, yoga and meditation, extensive throughout India and Southeast Asia with traditional teachers. She's done brain scanning and neurofeedback brainwave training to help with top leaders in, in the North American market and has been director of Neurofeedback Center, specializing in burnout and stress and resilience. And the reason she is on one of our cannabis champions is Dr. Donnie Gordon is really pushing this forward 
to help us bring more science into it and bring more people to bring more credibility into this industry. This industry has a credibility problem. It doesn't have a problem with the people who are in it. It has the problem with the people who think of people who are in it. One of the things that I get all the time is after I speak is the most common response I get is, you're not what I expected. So um, a lot of times I say, why? Because you're expecting somebody with green hair and tattoos. And they say, yes, I have nothing against people with green hair and tattoos. I actually like that. And, but just remember, we can't take the soul out of cannabis. Okay. The soul is there. We have to preserve that soul as we move forward in this industry. And so believe it or not, I'm one of those people who want to keep the soul of this industry, even though I may not look the part, I want to be able to keep that, that soul into this industry. And that's and you all. don't look as good as me either, okay? <laughs> and before you go to your outro, yeah. I just want to say if you want to be, uh, we have one fan now, Ken. This is so we're taping this right when uh, episode one was released. So, Ken, thank you for joining us uh, in the studio. But if you are a listener, you're watching us. You don't have to come to the studio to be a fan. <laughs> you can like us on our youtube page yes. and you can also download the podcast at space coast podcast and that is on all the apple podcasts so you can pull us up there take us with you or you can come by the studio if you're kicking it in melbourne like ken did exactly yes. ken our super fan so um so that leads me to my ending my sign off and that's the way it is it is in the world of cannabis today the power of change is within all of us and the world changes when we change I had a great time, and I, and I know I'm so happy that Ken came by to see us, our super fan, as well as Jesse, our engineer, and Mark, our um, producer. And always remember, we are all all we need. Till next time, peace. Laid up. <laughs> <laughs>